don't think Chicago style pizza classifies as pizza. What it's would pizza. You what would you it's like a casserole. No. You put the sauce on top. No, it doesn't matter. Yeah. All of the elements of the pizza are there. If I can't well, yeah, pick it up with my thing. hands and eat it, you if can. I can't pick it up with it's just dirty. It's I can't, dirty. yeah. Yeah, you just gotta get under. I mean, it's the same thing. Like if you're making a ham and cheese sandwich, if the cheese goes before the ham, or the ham, like, does it change the sandwich? No. Good morning, evening, afternoon, whatever time it is by you. Welcome back to the Underqualified Knuckleheads Podcast. I am your co-host, as always, Mr. Daniel Keene. Joined with me today, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Andy Newman. How are we doing today, Andy? I'm doing fantastic. Great job in remembering what you have to say. Dan, uh, This is. I'm just going to let people in on the cutting room floor. We're actually doing this post-interview, so we already know what we talked about. So uh, we have a super, super cool guy where we just did have a super, super cool guy in the studio Zoom room, I don't really Zoom know, whatever. studio, something like I don't that. Know, whatever. Quinn Isaacson, the Q-tip, the former uh, center, I do believe, if I remember correctly from our interview, for the men's volleyball team at Ball State University that just went super far in the NCAA playoffs and lost, sadly, in the championship. But he's over playing in France for some professional volleyball right now. So super cool to get to talk to him. Uh, yeah, anything else, Dan? Oh, he's actually in California right now. He's actually he's with He's in Cali. U- yeah, he's close, in Cali. Close enough to but France, he was, it's but not he is in Indiana. Playing, yes, but he's playing professionally um, in France. Correct. Yes, yes. So uh, okay. he, has play, he has signed a contract to play professional volleyball in France, but right now he's currently with the United States uh, men's volleyball team, set up playing yeah. tournaments in South America, rubbing elbows with with some of the great U.S. men's players. Um, we talked to Quinn about his career at Ball State, his or his early childhood, and and how his mom got him into to men's volleyball. Um, we we talked about Chicago style pizza. We talked about first year head coach Donan Cruz. Talked about and all of it. course, and of course, I had to sneak in a little bit of football in there as well. And we that's snuck just, my just a little bit, just yeah. a little bit of football in there. Uh, that is, we're we're not going to take up too much of your time. We're going to let Quinn and Quinn and Daniel and Andy of the past do that. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna segue into our interview with Quinn Isaacson. <laughs> Welcome back to the Underqualified Knuckleheads podcast. I am your co-host, as always, Daniel Keene. Alongside me is Mr. Andy Newman. And today we are joined by our special guest, uh, former Ball State standout setter and, and team captain, Quinn Isaacson, uh, for the men's volleyball team. How are you doing today, Quinn? Good. How are you? Pretty good. I took an hour off work for this, so that's, that's pretty good. Uh, Andy, yeah, how I are you just doing? got off work for this, so how about that? <laughs> that's a so win. It worked out for me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Works out for everyone. Um, if you if you didn't if you didn't see it, I don't know how you didn't. But Quinn Isaacson and and the Ball State men's volleyball team went on a storming run to the to the national semifinals. Um, and I think you've been up to a few things since since graduating and 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 mm-hmm. finally getting out of Muncie. Can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about what you've been up to? 
Yeah. Um, the, my path after Ball State got a little, we, we, we turned left a little bit. Uh, we were set to go to the University of Kentucky to coach women's volleyball. That was my goal. That was my plan. Um, still my future goal, but uh, I had some really amazing opportunities to be presented um, and decided to, so first off, I accepted or I signed a contract to go play professional in France. <clears throat> so I'll be playing in the top division in France um, with actually one of my fellow VNL team members, Kyle Ensing. So that's really exciting. And then on top of that, I signed uh, or I took the opportunity to play for the VNL team here at Team USA. So I've been on the senior national team since literally at, we played the semifinal. I think it was like May 5th. <clears throat> uh, and then I stayed in California and started training with VNL May 9th. So I just, we just jumped right back into it. And then I've also been doing some Pan American Cup stuff, which when the team goes, if you, if you don't make the travel roster, you do a lot of the Pan American stuff. So I just got back from Mexico probably a week ago. It's actually right here. I have my, my bronze medal and my, I ended up getting the plaque for our team. So I have it right here. Actually, I'm looking at it, but uh, yeah. So it went from, from coaching to now, you know, going one more, at least one more year and then obviously see how we go from there. And then do you have any future plans uh, in like maybe transferring and trying to get on like the uh, U.S. national team or anything like that? Or trying to go to like U.S. sports or U.S. volleyball? Uh, not really. I shouldn't say there's anything wrong with that. I have a lot. I know a couple of my friends who go and play there, but um, a lot of the money is is over in Europe and stuff like that. And, and uh, I think if you want to compare yourself to the world, You've got to go try and play one of the top four leagues being uh, Russia, Poland, Italy, France, Germany. So uh, getting that opportunity can really showcase my talent. And I guess if I want to see how high I can go with this thing, that's a good place to start. Yeah. Can you walk me through how some of the France stuff came about? I mean, you said mm -hmm. you took a left turn. Did you really did you just get a call one day like, hey, we want you to play for us? Um, yeah, so before the season started, I had a couple opportunities for, or well, when I was figuring out my volunteer or my assistantship position for coaching, uh, they, I was getting a lot of conversations probably in October, maybe. And uh, it was kind of like, you, like, this is when we're looking at volunteer assistance and we're looking at assistance, uh, paid assistance. So it's like, we need to know if you're going to try and go after pro. And I had a couple offers after my senior year. Um, in just some okay countries that I was kind of like, uh, if, if I really like coaching, so these offers aren't super fantastic. I think I'm going to ride with it. Um, and then obviously accepted that position. And then if I'm not mistaken, we're like in the mix of the Miva tournament, right? I'm, we're trying to put together the, the finish to the season. And uh, I got reached out to by, he's now the GM, but he was the head coach last year. Um, and uh, he's like, Hey, have you, have you, are you interested in playing? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go coach. And then they kind of like, they explained the league and there's a couple of guys that are like Agalos who is now playing pro and he's actually playing for the Greek beach national team. He's doing a really good job there, which is awesome. But they kind of showed me that this opportunity, especially for first year guys out of college doesn't happen very often. Um, especially first league in some of these big countries. So then that started happening and then slowly other teams started reaching out and then it was like, okay, I've kind of got to make a decision here of what we want to do. So luckily I'm, I'm very fortunate that Kentucky staff was very, um, they were very accepting of the opportunities that were given and like, Hey, take the time. Like you only get to play once, right? When you're done, you're usually done. So they're very accepting of it. And then I came to that decision of let's see kind of how far we can take this. And, uh, and then we decided to go from there. 
Has there been some sort of deferment with Kentucky? Like, are, are you still in agreement to coach with them when you, when you eventually hang up and, and stop playing professionally? I wouldn't say an agreement. It, the one thing I promised them was that they would be my first call when I was done was I would make sure to call them, which I, I was so excited to work with Craig Skinner and Anders Nelson. And I know they just had a third assistant come in, but or a second assistant, but I was pumped to coach with them. So I, that, I told them that's an easy yes. Like they, they'll be the first team I call. And they said, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but we want to stay in contact with you. So I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Right. Super. Okay. That's honestly super cool. I was unaware of like how mm-hmm. like the foreign men's volleyball kind of all worked out. So yeah. you're in like one of the top upper echelon leagues. So you're mm-hmm. playing up with the, some of the best guys in the world. Yeah. Can we see you in the Olympics? Is that like a possibility? Is there like any kind of like route that you could get there that we could see you here soon? So the, the VNL team is the Olympic team, basically. Like when this kind of gets all going, yeah. <clears throat> when we get to that, to that time. <clears throat> um, so for example, we take usually 99% of the time, we'll take two setters. So in VNL, it was me and, or me and three other setters, Micah Christensen, who's right now is the best setter in the world, which that's going to be a tough, tough bargain. Uh, <laughs> the other two guys um, are guys that I, I grew up kind of watching James Shaw, who's I think James is like 28, 29. We're actually on the same team right now for this Pan American. We're going one more Pan American Cup team or tournament. So uh, James Shaw and then Josh Tuaniga, who was a two-time Lloyd Ball Setter of the Year uh, candidate. So there, there's a couple guys that it's – right now it's us four. So and they're going to take two, and Mike is probably the locked-in guy. So it's going to come down to who can kind of win out that spot. So, uh, if I mean, if I stick to it and, and everything like that, it's just going to come down to who wins that battle in, in whatever, a year and a half or I guess two years now. Um, but yeah, it's a possibility. It's just obviously you got to be able to jump those guys, but, but I mean, if, if it was easy, everyone would do it. So, That's super cool. <laughs> yeah. So how is, how are the, the Pan Americans compared to the NL, uh, the VNL stuff? Um, is it a lot different? Is it like a little more laid back? Do you guys do a little bit more promotion stuff or is it just going down there and playing volleyball? Uh, I would say it's going down there and playing volleyball. I, I think the the skill level, I mean, obviously you're going from playing with the best, I mean, 14 guys in the country, and then you're playing with guys like, if I gave a number like 16 through 30, so there's not a huge drop, but a lot of the Pan American guys are guys you probably saw this year. Like they're, a lot of them are college guys or some guys who have been part of VNL that just haven't gotten that jump. Like uh, one of my roommates here, Pat Gaspin, was in middle for Hawaii. He won a national championship two years ago. Uh, he was on the VNL roster, made a travel trip, and then the last couple of trips, he just said he's been down with us in Pan Am. So there's a lot of college guys. Caleb Genesis is here uh, with Pan Am, so that's another Ball State guy, which is exciting. Um, uh, Parker Van Buren is a Loyola right side. Tyler Mitchum's now he I got to travel on every trip for VNL. So it, I say there's a, maybe a little bit of, of skill level, but honestly, the way that it's you know at the, at the end of the day, it's business. You know, that's what we're here for. We're here to enjoy it, but we're trying to represent America and, and finish and, and, you know, medal. So as long as you can, you know, win that battle of just mentality, that goes a long way because, I mean, the skill's there. Everyone, there, this, the skill margin's this much. It's just, mm-hmm. can you fill in in the you know, mental, emotional battle and everything like that? Right. Can we backtrack a little bit just real quick? So are you mm-hmm. in America right now or are you not in America? Right now? I'm, I'm in L.A. right now. That's or okay. I'm in Anaheim. Yeah, I'm in Anaheim gotcha. right now. All right. So you're just completely other side of the country. All right. Got it. So basically, <laughs> yeah, not. Yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, we were uh, we, we train our, our training centers down here. Uh, oh, man. What, when did we leave? July 9th through the wow. 16th. We were in Mexico. Uh, so we were in Mexico for 
whatever, 10 days. And then here in about, oh yeah, July 27th. So in about a week, next, not this coming Saturday, but next Saturday, we'll go down to Canada, which the tournament was supposed to be kind of like the same thing it was in Mexico, but now it's turned into a world ranking tournament. So now teams are sending more of their ones. So like, for example, we'll see Mm -hmm. Cuba's ones and Canada's ones, and it turns into a 12 team tournament. So now we'll see Brazil and Argentina and Poland and some of those teams. So now we'll really get to see like, like, kind of that compare we're not setting out our top vnl guys like the ones who just got back from the vnl finals um but we're sending like the majority of our guys so now we'll see kind of how we rank up like development and stuff like that so that's exciting cool mm-hmm. so going back to kind of where where it all began for you volleyball is not mm-hmm. always considered traditionally a men's sport i mean only this mm-hmm. year did indiana start to recognize it as a as a high school varsity sport how yeah. did you find and fall in love with volleyball uh, my mom, big time. So when I was born, my mom played collegiate volleyball at Western Michigan. Uh, I think when she had me, she played there for two years and then transferred to Lewis uh, University and played there just to be closer to home. And then once she was done, she got a head coaching job at, at a high school uh, around where I'm from in Naperville. And uh, she head coached that, that team for, oh man, like 10 to 15 years and then took a break for like two years and then came back. So like, Literally from since I was born till about like eight or nine years old, it was like going to practice with her. And I didn't really know what was going on during the practice, but I enjoyed watching it. So like that was the start. And then slowly as they started to like see the girls play, I was like, all right, I want to try and do some of this stuff. So I like pass with them and set with them and all that stuff. So that's how I kind of got started. And then she started her own club. My mom did. And it was pretty easy of like, okay, if I'm going to play for anyone, I'm going to play for her club. And uh, that's how it, I think I was like 10, I think I was 10 years old playing on a 12 year old team. So I played up two years and I did that 10 to 12, 11 to 13. And I think I did 12 to 14. And then I played 14s three years. So I played 13, 14, just, we just kept going through people looking for like the right group. And then we find a good group of guys that I ended up playing all the way through with. Gotcha. So, okay. So is in Illinois, that's where you grew up, correct? Mm-hmm. So yeah. is that, is men's volleyball or boys volleyball, a mm-hmm. high school sport? Like, or yeah. is it a club? It is. No, it's, it is a- yeah, it's it's pretty dang competitive. I, I would wow. say California's first, and then I would say the Chicago area second because we had my four years or my three of my four years that I was there. The winner of the Illinois State Championship, like Glenbird West, who had oh man, I think just in their varsity lineup had like ten Division One men's volleyball players, and they were ranked. They lost one game in three seasons, and I think they were ranked third in the country as a high school team so and and just like the rank there's a lot of good california there's also a ton of california teams but the chicago area specifically has a lot of good teams for high school volleyball and club volleyball and i didn't even know that indiana was even doing men's uh volleyball for high school mm-hmm. now so awesome i'm the only indiana yeah. guy here so yeah <laughs> uh, if my if I, anyone from my high school administration is listening carroll yeah. high school be very very good at men's volleyball we've been talking about it for years so yeah. i'm ready this is very good yeah i'm liking that. yeah <laughs> How, I'm ready how, to see that. <laughs> um, how quickly did you like know that you wanted to do this at the next level? And, and when did recruiting kind of pick up? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say like you go through high school and, and through high school, I was, I played volleyball obviously. And then I played basketball as well. And basketball was fun. It was just an easy sport that I could be athletic in mm-hmm. like jump high rebound, pass the ball. That was easy for me. So I was like, Oh, this is something we can do. <clears throat> and then um, probably like my 16th year, I, I was very undersized. So I was playing a lot of just, I was setting, but I knew I couldn't, I wasn't gonna be able to do that at the highest level. And then <clears throat> hit a growth spurt from like, man, 
I was like five nine my freshman year to like six foot my sophomore year, and then six foot to like six two, six three my junior year. And then from that point forward, yeah, my sophomore year, uh, I got recruited to Lewis. That was my first official visit, my first official, I guess, offer. Um, but it was kind of like, we don't know, like, are you going to grow more? I'm like, I have no clue. So it's kind of like an offer of being like, well, we'll see what happens. But like, we like the way you play volleyball. You can play libero if you don't grow. If you do grow, you can stay at the center. If you grow even more, you can hit. Like, it kind of opened up a lot of doors. And then mainly for, for men's volleyball players, your 17th year. So your, your junior year is like your that's your recruiting year you, you get talked to a lot by coaches throughout that whole season and then the summer happens where nationals is and then the second nationals is done the rules have all changed now now these coaches can talk whenever they want that must be nice for these players at the end you couldn't talk to them until the end so the coaches are waiting for you or you're having to wait and postpone your flight so you can talk to all these coaches now they can just kind of talk to you whenever i think but uh and then at the end of the tournament it's like hey we're interested here's a camp here's a camp you go to like the three or four camps you're interested in and then usually get offers by the end of it and decide where you want to go. And then where did Ball State kind of come in? Like, was it just like out of nowhere or did Ball, was Ball State with you after Lewis or how did that kind of go? Yeah. Um, the, when I was going through me and actually some of my teammates wanted to go to a big time division one camp. And I remember Loyola was during something that we were doing as a team and Lewis, Lewis was so close. We've been to that camp multiple times. So Ball State was the closest big time school that we could go. So me and my club teammates, went my 16s year kind of it was more of just like we've seen them walk around our courts like it'd be cool to go to it so we went to it and then they showed kind of some interest there of just like the same thing that lewis was saying was like we'll kind of see how it goes it was kind of more talk about being a libero to be honest with you <clears throat> and then invited me back to the 17th year some of the guys from my club team came not all of them but then it was more of like a now you're kind of competing for for an opportunity to play here because they brought in like i came in as a setter <clears throat> and they brought in I think they brought in two other setters like you can start to see like okay we're here yes for camp but we're here for to get recruited like you're one of you is going to get chosen one of you is going to get chosen I know I was there with Zach Nielsen who ended up committing Ryan Dorgan who ended up committing Will Hippie who ended up committing Colin Slaka was already committed and Ben Shanice was the only guy who wasn't there that ended up committing later after that camp who all guys I came in with um so then I went to that camp and I had a good showing. And then I think a week later was when they called and offered me. And it was between Ball State, Ohio State. And then I had some talks with BYU that I was just, I, it was kind of late that they started talking to me. So it was kind of too late to really start to go into that area, unless I really wanted to do it. And then between Ball State and Ohio State, just the opportunity at Ball State and the coaches at Ball State. And I mean, once hearing that a lot of, really good coaches have been produced through there that kind of made it easy for me to be like, okay, this is the place I want to be. Um, but I have a couple of, I have an Ohio state roommate, a couple of guys I play with on these teams that are like, Oh, that would have been cool. If it came. I'm like, well, no, we like Muncie a little bit better. Sorry. Sorry, Columbus. We'll, we'll take um, Muncie over. Yeah. I don't know about that necessarily. <laughs> Muncie. <laughs> uh, we, we had Drew Plitt on last week and I was very hesitant to to let him know that I'm from Michigan and I'm not the biggest Ohio fan just in yeah. general. Um, <laughs> just to, a quick follow-up, you mentioned BYU and uh, for our audience, I covered the men's volleyball team this year. So mm -hmm. I got to, I got to get to know Quinn really well and the whole setup, but I remember watching, I think it was the first BYU game. I think it went to five sets. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember the, the moment I remember is it was this one shot from like across the court and it's you set, stepping back to serve and there's like BYU college students, like half a foot from you. Yeah. Can you talk about that environment? Cause I don't think I've ever seen that type of environment in, in sporting. 
Yeah, uh, BYU is a really fun but difficult place to play because the only camera you see, if you watch, if you watch any B, uh, BYU live stream, you see it's like 10 rows and there's, there's probably like a total of like 100 seats. That's the only thing they show. But on the side, there's standing room only for the, for the uh, students. And then there's elevated, there's seats along the side. And then where the camera's at, everything behind it is like, oh man, They're, they could probably fit like 4,000 people behind it. You don't see it. You only see the, the, like probably the 100 to 200 people in front of you. You see some of the fans and then that's all you see. But little do you know, there's like 4,000 seats that everyone fills out. And uh, BYU is a lot of fun. And I have a special place with BYU because BYU is actually my first start at BYU. Like, welcome to the show. Have fun playing in this crowd. It was like that moment for me. And it was like our, it was like our fourth match my sophomore year. I got the opportunity. It was right. We just played Stanford. It didn't go very well. And they gave me the opportunity to start against BYU. And they told me like, man, maybe 30 minutes before the game. I'm like warming up on the two side. Like, I'm like, all right, here we go. <laughs> and then Joel Wallen's like, hey, you're, you're starting tonight. I'm like, well, got to kind of change the mindset here. I'm like, no, we're, we're playing in 30 minutes. But uh, no, it's really cool. And I've always said Hawaii is, the, is probably the number one coolest place to play just because the way that they pack it out, the way that they really love the sport is awesome. I've always said Worthen was number two. And then I've said that BYU was number three. I might be a little biased on Worthen, but BYU is definitely one of those top three places that like big crowd, loud crowd, where you can kind of, you know, have a fun time with it. It's, it's definitely pretty special. And not, not, yeah, and I would assume, oh. Oh, my bad, but I'll, I would just, I would just say, I would assume that a couple other reasons for why Hawaii is probably one of the best places to play. Maybe <laughs> not just volleyball. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> man, I think there's a little bit to it. Most of the time you're there for business, but you can walk outside and enjoy it a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say not biased towards men's volleyball or anything, but the times I've been in Worthen arena, it's been most full during, during volleyball matches entirely. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a volleyball school, yeah. <laughs> but speaking totally of, yeah. <laughs> speaking of, of, of Joel Walton, when he retired at the end of the, of the 2021 season, um, I know the coaching hire of, of Donan Cruz was very quick, but mm -hmm. were there any, not ideas or any feelings that you might want to transfer for your final year or look elsewhere or. Yeah. Um, not really, to be honest with you. I really, the one thing that's really special about this group is, and I, that, I think that's one thing that, that me and the rest of this class have left is like, we're really close as players. Like we're really, I like, I couldn't imagine myself leaving the guys that I had there. Um, like I have some of my best friends that are still either still there or just graduated with me. So it's like, um, it, it's, I, I didn't think it ever really crossed my mind. I had, I had some other people cause you can do it without having to sit out here. So I, I definitely had some like players like, Hey, what are you doing next year? I'm like, okay. Like some from out here, they're like, dude, California weather's nice. I'm like, Hey, well, I don't really know. We'll, we'll have to figure it out. But I was on the, um, I guess we'll call it a board, but it was me and two other players for the head coach interviews. So I went through that. We had three main candidates <clears throat> and obviously Donna being one of them and went through the process and, and I, I liked all three candidates and I was just kind of like oh it'll be interesting I was like I'm happy I'm not making this decision I'm like dude these are all three good I mean it's they, they all know how to speak well they're all head coaches somewhere they were head coaches so they know they all know how to speak well so but he was one of them and I was like he, he was a little bit different than the rest of them just a little bit more mellow and it that could worry some people but I could also like be like if he doesn't that was one thing I remember clear as day that in his interview was like he said, I'm a very mellow guy, but I know how to turn it on. 
And I've heard that before out of many coaches and either it's always turned on or they're too mellow. So I'm like, Oh man, this, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure about this guy. And then he gets signed in like the first month. It was like exactly to a T of what he explained, like mellow, exactly what he needs to be. We're slacking off. Boom. Like here he comes out of nowhere. And the respect that you have for him is like, when he kind of gets after you for a second, it's like, but he has all the trust in the world for you, but it's just like, he's letting you know he needs more out of you and your understanding of it. Uh, yeah. So do like, you know, Oh, sorry. Go Andy. Yeah. So can you explain a little bit more of that relationship between the two of you? Obviously you were like in your last year, you're mm-hmm. a veteran, you're a captain. And then he's obviously a new head coach. How yeah. does that kind of, how does that kind of work and mesh? Yeah. I mean, I thought it was really, really well. Like I, me and him, that's, I think we've texted I mean, every, probably every other day since I've been here, just like, just che- either checking in or like when I came, I came back, I had a couple of days off between training blocks. Then I went back to Muncie and he came and I was, I got some work in the gym and he was there and we went to lunch with him. Like we're, we're very, very, and, and that's the most impressive thing to him is like, he could have looked at the future and been like, okay, like, yes, I have these guys for one season, but I have to get this team ready to go for the like multiple seasons past. But like he took all of us like super seniors or even seniors that are graduating, like under his wing of like, we're going to do this together. I understand this is how it's going to work. So I thought, I thought the transition was, was as smooth as, as can be. Like he was open to how we did stuff before. It was like, how, how did we do this? How did we train this? Blah, blah, blah. He's like, I'm, I think this is a better way. And we, I think as players as well, we did a good job of opening up to their new ideas too. Like it, it's a, it's a two way street. Coaches have to be able to do it for the players. Players have to be able to do it for the coaches. And I think we did it pretty dang well as like the relationship now of like, I go, I think I'll be back. I think we get back from Canada the 16th and then I'm going to be in Muncie for the first exhibition game. I think the girls play Fort Wayne on Saturday. I'm going to go for the week just because I didn't really get a proper goodbye from everyone because I just stayed in Cali after it. So I saw some of the guys after I left, we all obviously like after the game hugged it out and stuff like that, but like the girls team, like we're really close with the girls team. I didn't really get to say by then some of the coaches and, and trainers and all that stuff. So I'll be back that weekend, but like we've already planned lunch and possibly golfing Saturday morning. Like he's a good guy to have in your corner. So I was happier that he was our coach. Uh, yeah. Just back on the hiring process for, for a minute. Um, who are the other players on the, on the kind of selection committee with you? And, and was it, was it kind of there for show or, or were you guys actually providing input? No, we had, we were asked to bring five questions every single time. So it was me, Will Hippie, and then Brandon Shepard. Um, we, we were, we were asked, and like I said, every, every interview we had, I think it was like three to five or something like that. And they, we didn't want to take all their time up because we knew they were touring the campus and stuff like that. But we had three or three to five questions we asked and we kind of got our answer. Like I still have my notes from it of like, I was kind of like trying to like listen to them, but I was really typing. Like I was trying to get the, like put stuff down and Usually after every interview, we would FaceTime as the guys and be like, all right, what do we think? Because Kaylee and, and Beth would always, all right, what do you like once they're gone? Like, what do you guys think? And we kind of give our two cents. But no, it was definitely, it was productive because we were asking things that we thought could change our team, could change the culture or keep the culture, I should say, because I really think that by that time we were in a good spot. It was just kind of excelling it a little bit. So no, it was, it was pretty productive. I think the guys, we, we appreciated it because we kind of knew what was coming, but we asked them those questions. And most of the time it was like the same questions that we thought were important to each candidate and how we liked obviously their answers, stuff like that. Um, and then do you remember who the other two coaches were and have they found head coaching jobs outside yet? Um, one of them is on the woman's side and I think he's an assistant at a big time school. I don't know exactly where he's at. And then the other one, I think, 
I don't know if he's coaching anymore. And I think I talked to him a little bit after, and it was just because he's applied. It was, it's tough because I, I'm pretty sure he's applied to multiple head coaching spots and it was just like one spot off every single time. Mm-hmm. And he's really good at, he's, we, it's funny. Cause I didn't really even know this coach, but we started talking after the fact and like, then we have a pretty good relationship now. And I think he's like, he was really good at recruiting. So I think now he's working somewhere and like bringing people into businesses. He's like, dude, I love it. I'm like, Oh, well, there you go. But yeah, those, those were the, uh, those were our three. Gotcha. And then just after there was a whole like big stretch that you guys had throughout the season, you won the Miva tournament. Then you went straight to the NCAA tournament. Could you talk about just that kind of time? Now, crazy. Was it crazy? Was it hectic? Was it, were you calm, collected? Like, did you expect everything? Just kind of mm-hmm. talk me through that. Yeah, I mean, every it, it was this year was obviously very unique because you come into every season saying like we have a chance. You always put that confidence in your head, but usually you get halfway through the season, you hit some bumps in the road, your confidence starts to waver. Some guys pull away from the group, not because it just you get checked out after a long season. So this season was a little different. Obviously, you you pull out those two wins at home against Hawaii. We pull out one against BYU on the road, which any wins against BYU at BYU are huge wins. And uh, you just start to see this confidence start to build. And it's like you go from the, obviously the six or seven guys in the court. But the big difference you saw was like the 14 guys on the bench. We were all kind of one unit. And I think that's what really makes or breaks the team is when you have those guys pushing just as hard as the guys on the court. It's really easy to practice hard, train hard, lift hard, all that stuff. Um, but when we like we, we go through the week, obviously, we, we find out we are hosting. Um, we had a confidence and I know we had obviously we had one loss to Loyola at home this year, but we had a confidence that if we could host that we had it like we that was kind of our mindset. If we could have all three games at home that even if like obviously Loyola got us two times, but if Loyola came to our gym in the championship game at home with a crowd we'd have, we weren't we were ready to go. Like we, we were pretty confident, but easier said than done. Right. So we came out, kind of took care of business against a Quincy play play a good Lewis to Tyler Mitchell is actually one of my roommates he's probably sleeping right over here but we knew Tyler was was a threat and we we knew that team was young but at any point those teams can pop off and we're able to handle them I think that second set we handled them pretty well and it was hard for them to come back through that third and then we turn on our phones and see Loyola get swept which was like what just happened like <laughs> like we were we were fully not that we didn't think Fort Wayne could beat Loyola we just thought that like the storybook was kind of leading to us getting the third chance at Loyola at Worth and <clears throat> and then obviously we we checked the phones they they got upset and now we're thinking okay we get Fort Wayne who beat them the first time at home in five beat them the second time in four and it was like yeah this, this is gonna be a tough game and obviously Jim Paolonis our old assistants on that team and we know he's just as pumped as we are and he knows some of the ins and outs of what we do, but we, we felt pretty confident that, that what we were doing as a team at that time was going to be really hard to stop for anyone in the country. And first set, obviously close. And then once we got that one under our belt, we were, we were feeling pretty good. It was always that first set. The whole year was the first set. Like if we took care of the first set, we were good. If we lost that first set, it was like, okay, now we've got, we've got some work to do, but um, yeah, after it, it was pretty crazy. And I think that's one thing Donan did a really good job of was like, he's like, a lot of coaches would tell you like eyes on the NCAAs now. It's like, yes, we're focused on it, but like this hasn't happened in a really long time. And this is really hard to do. Like, like winning any, any championship, conference championship, NCAA championship, like really hard to do. So it's like that we need to take some time to appreciate it. I know like obviously it was Saturday night, Sunday night, we were, we had the, uh, whatever it was with the seed, the seeding banquet, I guess what do you, what do you call it? Monday was just kind of like a rollout day. And then I think we came in the gym on Tuesday 
And I knew we were in a good spot because it was like the players that were like, okay, it's go time. Like coaches kind of came in. I don't know if they came in with like a, like, let's totally work back into it. But the guys were like, let's like, let's get going. Like we're ready to, to, to now take another step of trying to get to that championship game. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then, Ooh, my bad. I'm just going to say real quick. I know I'm currently just about what you brought up, obviously Purdue Fort Wayne, cause you had yeah. to, yeah. I'm currently in Fort Wayne and usually mm-hmm. I'm one of the guys that are go Dons, but yeah. uh, thankfully I was at that game and that was yeah. one of the coolest games of volleyball, at least that I've ever yeah. seen sporting yeah. events, at least like the, yeah. there were so many people there and it was an electric mm-hmm. crowd. It was super, yeah. super fun. And yeah. I may have been out of like illegally kind of gotten onto the court, um, but, you know, whatever. And it was super yeah. fun. Like the atmosphere was super, super cool. So I really yeah. enjoyed that. It was really, really fun to see as a, yeah. from a fan perspective, at least. Yeah. So, no, so it, was, cool. it was pretty exciting. Yeah. So Quinn, you saw me on the court after the game. I remember you ran up with, with the, with the all tournament ball in, in yeah. your right hand and the trophy in your left hand. Yeah. And you said something along the lines of I've been waiting for this one. Cause yeah. we we're, we we're about to say the interview, Andy had yeah. come down and he was like, do you need pictures or something? And I was like, <laughs> sure. yep. and he goes, okay, I'm just going to hang out by you. So yeah. um, that's, that's, that's how awesome. we, that's how we make it. Um, yeah. I, I think Loyola they're the second regular season game when they, when they mm-hmm. beat you at, on their turf, it became, it, it was the, the, the regular season wasn't in your hands anymore. It was kind of yeah. a, both of them had to win their, their next game. How thankful are you for Ohio state? Oh, trust <laughs> me. I've told Jacob multiple times here that we're, they, that they, they were big this year for us because we obviously get, we get lucky and we, we play them twice. We played them at their place. Didn't play a great match, but just scrapped out. That's kind of one thing we've talked about the whole year is that we found ways to scrap get wins out. And I don't know, we, we worked hard for that win, win in five. Then um, that next game was the, the Don Chandel Memorial and we weren't going to lose that game. That was, that was not going to happen. Um, so we got them there. And then, like I said, they go and beat Loyola, which allows us to, to play. And Ohio State was a really good team. So we were kind of like, because they were on our side. So I'm like, okay, them versus Lewis. I'm like, we've had, we've gotten Lewis twice and we shut Lewis, but I, we're still worried about them. And I was like, Ohio State, that's not a team you really want to play. And then uh, Lewis ended up having a better night. And we're like, wow, like we, they really helped us out here. <laughs> they set us up there. And then, and then Lewis obviously played a little bit better. But I, I, I think right when I, my first day with Jacob, I was like, hey, man, appreciate everything you did for us. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you're welcome. I'm like, all right. <laughs> But and then and then for clarification too, so you guys won the Miva, not the Mac. And then I know the Mac is generally like the the conference or all ball state stuff, but the yeah. Miva is something different for men's volleyball. Yep. Is that is that purely because there's a fewer amount of volleyball teams, men's volleyball mm-hmm. teams, just in the country? So would yeah. you rat? Would you like there to be more men's volleyball programs across the nation so you can have more competition? Or eh, I'm cool with yeah. where I'm. No, I, I think, and, and one thing that happened this morning, actually, which is really big news, is that they decided to, um, they're going to vote on it, I think, next summer, but if, if all approved by 2024, there'll be 12 teams that make the playoffs for NCAAs. That, that got, ABCA tweeted that out this morning, but oh, I would like, you're starting to see a lot of teams start to, like, build, pro- like, at least the start is club, like, creating club programs and then starting to expand, but you're, you're slowly starting to see a lot of teams especially in the Midwest where there's talk, I think in the next couple of years that the Miva might split up to be like this. Cause we have a couple of D two schools that play division one, like their D two schools, but division one volleyball that might start staying with the D two schools. And then it'd be like us, Ohio state, Loyola, I think Penn state would come up. Like we'd have kind of our own little area here. So yeah, I, I think that would be great for the game. I know obviously like the, the funding is obviously the big problem, but I, I think the biggest thing that we've talked about is like, 
being around these athletes and, and everyone here is like all our, our goal is just to, like, we want people just to see the way we play. Cause yes, the, obviously you've seen women's volleyball and women's volleyball is very exciting, but there's just something to the men's game of just some of these freak athletes that get on balls. And you see Caleb Jenis touching like close to 12 feet and putting the ball away. It's like, you just see like, it's, so it's cool. a whole, it's a whole different feel. So if we, that was always our thing. That was kind of a thing we did this year with like fans. It was like, just get them in the gym for a game. And once they have a little bit of fun with it, like getting that crowd in Hawaii, like having people see it, then allow them to come to different games and give us different crowds and stuff like that, which I think is big. Mm -hmm. And then, so they're expanding it. They're going to vote to expand it to 12. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was seven teams this year. And Mm -hmm. for a lot of non-volleyball viewers, my my biggest problem when, when tweeting about the the NCAAs is, is is explaining to people how the the playoff bracket worked. Do you think there could be some improvement in, the oddity that is the playoff bracket for the NCAA. It makes no sense. It makes yeah. no sense. No yeah. yeah. I, I think, I think by them expanding it is a huge step because I, I think there'll be another, I think by the time 2024, I think there might be another conference added. I could see that happening, especially I think in this Midwest, I think they might split us and, and take us some of the D one teams and D two teams. They'll still play D one volleyball, but just by school base. And, um, but I think that'd be big if we end up having six conferences by that time, the winner of that conference gets some movement. So that's your top six. Now they might not be the top six seeds, but that's six spots that are in it. And then you have six at large, which puts 12 out of your, whatever, 50 teams in there, just because like you saw upsets the whole, like Lewis, who was at that time ranked 13 goes to UCLA at UCLA, who's number two and sweeps them. And you've got obviously us getting Hawaii at home. You have Ohio state being us like, upsets do happen there obviously it's but like upsets do happen i think it just makes it more exciting you can take a an, uh, like an out of season weekend out of it like like shorten the season by a weekend expand one or two more games and it just it makes more like that week of ncaa training like it just makes it a little bit more fun right you're watching more games it's a little more sport you have more time to recover i think that'd be a huge thing is like instead of you playing friday or let's go monday wednesday friday like a day you might get two days because there's other games going on and I think I think it's big. I think with them adding six teams, you might have a couple teams that slip through the cracks, but then you get your main chunk of teams, your top, at least your top eight in the mix. And then you get to see like, okay, the Miva second team just be MPSF's third team. Like they got in, like, let's see how that compares and everything like that. So I'm excited for those guys. Uh so so going back a little bit to to coaching throughout the whole interview so far, you've you've come back to coaching and talk about coaching. And we know that you, I think you coached at both club one and Muncie Burris throughout mm-hmm. your, your college days and your time in Indiana. How important yeah. is, is the aspect of coaching volleyball to you compared to playing? I don't know. I, I have a lot of people who tell me like, <clears throat> obviously you want to play until you can pretty much. Cause you, you can't really go back. You can coach for the rest of your life, but coaching is really important to me because all my family, like my mom has been a coach. My dad's obviously division one, football coach my stepdad has played collegiate baseball he's coached a varsity high school baseball team for 20 years football for 10 my stepmom played college uh field hockey so it's it's just around my my whole family it's around my whole family and I think like one thing I was I was telling I forgot who I was talking to the other day but when you grow up with coaches as parents like the coaching tactics like don't they they don't change like they go into your parenting so it's like like, I, I don't remember the example I have. I think I was like meeting with a coach or something like that. And my mom's like, keep his eye, keep your eyes on him. Like, like, it's always something like, 
so you kind of learn through that. And then one thing I've always been taught, and it's just through like coaches that I either played for or trained for or anything like that was like, by expanding your mind of the game, like the sport that you play allows you like having another coach, you know, quote unquote on the court or on the field or anything like that, like just changes the way your team can run a little bit. Like don't, don't always, uh, one of the games he appreciated was just like, he's like, I know we have like another coach out there. He's like, I can almost sit back sometimes and I know you'll find some of the stuff or figure some of the stuff out. So I, th- I think it was big just for my game in general, but just kind of what I've learned and was taught through, you know, with my family and stuff like that and carrying on that, which I'm excited to do. All right. And then you're, and then you mentioned that your dad is a D one football coach. Yep. Copy through that. Where is he at? What is he doing? He's the head football coach at Western Michigan in the math. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All yeah, right. Yeah. Sweet. I do have a friend that uh, is plays wide receiver over there. So if you get okay. uh, Ken Hedgecock a couple more throws, let your okay, dad yeah. know that. Get All him right. in there a little okay. bit more. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So, so, so did Western Michigan not have a volleyball program at all? No. Do they not? Okay. No. So that's, yeah. So you, if, if they would have, yeah. would you have possibly gone to Western Michigan? Possibly. Yeah. And it obviously okay. would depend on what maybe like, or if they're in the same conference as the MEVA, what division they would be technically as a volleyball school. But if they were in the same caliber of what Ball State was, it would have been an interesting discussion just because like I knew Ball State was growing up because my dad played at Western Michigan as well. So like I knew about balls, like all the max schools. So it definitely would have been an interesting conversation. Were, were you ever swayed a little bit to play football or, or even try it out or I, I tried it out for a little bit, but not for very long. My dad's always said that if I, I started too young and then if I would have started later, I probably would be playing college or football instead of volleyball. But I was, I was pretty happy with where we're at currently, but uh, I think he, he, he didn't persuade me. They always, that was one thing I appreciate with my parents. They never persuaded me to play any sport. It was never volleyball or baseball or football. I think that it was just like, whatever you want to, that's why I got into basketball. Like, my dad played high school basketball. That was about it. So I was like, all right, there's no really connection here in basketball. I kind of want to start playing it. So, but no, not too much. So, so you grew up in Illinois, correct? But your mm-hmm. dad's the head coach at Western Michigan. Was mm-hmm. that post you growing up in Illinois or did he commute or how did that all work? Uh, so my parent, my mom and my dad, they split up. They never got married. They had yeah. me when they were dating and then they split apart. So he lived up in Michigan or he's been living up in Michigan. He's had multiple, he was, he was at Western. He's been at Western for the past five years. He was at Purdue for one year before that. He was in Syracuse for five years before that. And then he was at a couple D3 schools around where I was from. So I got to see him a lot more often. But I lived with my mom and my stepdad. And that was like where I went to high school and everything like that. And then I would commute to him wherever he was at. Just because as I've learned collegiate coaching, like you don't you don't have much free time. And that was the risk I was getting ready to take. But now we can postpone it for a little bit more, a little more time. Definitely. But, and then Western Michigan just won a bowl game, did they not? Western Michigan? They did. Yeah. I, I was yeah. there. It was, it was in Detroit, actually. It was at the uh, it was at, uh, Detroit's Ford Field. That's super cool. Nevada. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I did a lot. I was doing a lot. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite story just of all of your time at Ball State? Kind of one one moment that just stands out to you as as a as a volleyball player? That's a good question. I, it's hard to not choose. It's funny because this year has been very like storybook, like everything we've talked about since we got here as freshmen, like kind of all panned out to that moment. So like beating Hawaii at home twice in front of that crowd was, would be hard not to choose. And obviously I don't think, I, I don't think I could live with myself if I didn't choose winning the MEVA championship because that was the, the main goal all the way through, through college. But the one moment that, I shouldn't say it doesn't get talked about enough, but 
for me would definitely be on that list is my junior year beating Loyola at Loyola for the first time since whatever, 1999. It wasn't because I, I had buddies on Loyola, but they just knew they had it on us. And we, they went up 2-0 and they, you could tell they thought it was over. And then we go and beat them in the third set down 17-12 in the fourth set, flip the script, end up winning 26-24. And then we side switched when that was a thing at like 8-2. Like we had them in the fifth set and you could feel like we had a bunch of fans there, but winning that game and breaking that curse of not winning at Loyola since, well, I think it was 1990. It would have been the 20th year. So 1999 and winning that first one at Loyola. That is, that one's, it's not with the Miva championship, but it's really close. And everyone talks like, how could that be? I'm like, you don't understand how good that felt. <laughs> I was like winning there knowing they thought they had it and then flipping it on them was, was pretty cool. But I would say, the Mavis Championship was everything that we trained for and wanted. So I think that would, that makes our storybook career at, at Ball State. Right. And then right before we get to hot takes, which is, I think is going to be our next little segment here. Okay. So I know that in Illinois, it's obviously, mm-hmm. as you've said, men's volleyball is very, very big, but mm-hmm. in Indiana and other places, obviously it is not as big. Mm-hmm. I've been a pretty big proponent for men's volleyball for a long time. I got to meet boy ball, take a yep. bite of his gold, of his gold medal. That medal. was super cool. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, and I respect, and I know a lot of my friends respect men's volleyball. What is your message to those people that are kind of like, ah, volleyball is not really my thing. Like, how do you explain to them that volleyball is insanely cool? Like, what is your thoughts? Well, I just, I just say, think about the sport. Like we're, we are passing or digging balls that you, at a a closer range at not the same exact, like we're digging balls that are 85 to 90 miles per hour at like a 15 foot speed up in the air off our body like you like like people ask you use your hands to set but like you're using your body to keep a ball alive that's coming at you like 75 80 miles per hour and my number one thing i always say about specifically volleyball but or volleyball specifically men's volleyball is like step on the other side and let's see if you can pass the ball like just pass like a simple skill that we do every single day that we train every single day let's see if i spin a ball at you even standing can you put the ball in the middle of the court because like, I'm not saying these sports are any easier, but I can catch a football. I can, I can throw a baseball. I can hit, like hitting baseball is very tough, but I'm like, I would love to see you go on the other side and let me spit a ball at you. I want to see if you can do it. And then you start to realize the difficulty of, of the sport and the accuracy and everything else that comes with it and the timing. And I think if you can just open up to it and give it a chance and watch it at a high level, like you'll come to really enjoy it and, and want to continue to watch it. Yeah. Um, and also jumping 15 feet in the air might be a little bit hard too. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. You, you see these, these six, six guys like Felix touching 12 feet. And you even see guys like me who are six, one, six, two, but still getting to like 11, four, 11, five, or who is another good example? Bryce Barrett's another good jumper. Like you get to see no. that at another level. You don't, you don't see that very often. Uh, I will, I will say I wanted, it never got sorted out when you were, in I know, but I, I, I really want to do an interview where you served volleyballs at me as yeah. we were doing an interview yeah. style. So if, <laughs> if, if we're ever in the same city in the future, I'll, I'll bring yeah. a pair of workout. I played goalkeeper in high school. So, okay. So you keep the ball left. I, I got the reactions, I guess. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll take your bet. And um, okay. just one quick more before we go to, to your hot takes, I'd be reminisced if I didn't bring up Steve Shondell and the whole Shondell family. Mm-hmm. Um, you worked with Steve Shondell at Muncie Burris and, and yep. obviously you're, you're close with his family as a ball state mm-hmm. player. Can you talk a little bit about the legacy that that family has, has built in Muncie? Yeah. I mean, it, it's pretty un- unbelievable. Like with, with Don 
I mean, Don started this whole thing Like he made this possible. So obviously I think he's, he's well-spoken of how important he was to this whole thing. And, and even with Steve, like Steve coaching Muncie Burris and he, I mean, that program, when you go in there, like that was one of my favorite things that I, was, I did an interview actually on Muncie Burris and how I've enjoyed it. And I said, like, yes, it's, it's a smaller gym. It's a high school gym, but like you look around and you see the 25 state championships, you see the five national championships, like, like where they're winning like six years in a row, like they're on some Jordan stuff. Like they're just, they they weren't stopped. Like, like you just know your like the legacy around it. And Steve was like, the one thing I always say that like, I always talk about Steve is like, he's a perfectionist and you can see it in the way that he coaches and you can see it in, in the way that his girls or like when he, like, <laughs> and there was never, everyone was being trained when I was coaching with him. Like I was being trained. Like it was like, like I wasn't allowed to like do some of this, like coach the girls until I learned the moves. So I had to go through the first like two days. It was the first two days of like, how we stepped to a ball to our left, how we stepped a ball to our right. And then I saw like, next thing you know, I'm in practice like three days later and I'm doing it and digging balls. And I'm like, Steve, he's like, I told you, you just got to listen. I'm like, all right. So like, I know the girls learned just as much from him as I did. And I think that like, they've created just this volleyball world around Muncie. And I think you're starting to see like a lot of people, you know, gravitate towards it. And I think that's why obviously like the crowds this year and I'm hoping for the women's season, they can have another great year and get kind of some of the same crowds and it'd be really exciting. Alrighty. On to our, our probably the most, most hotly debated and, and the funnest, mo- most fun, most fun, most, most fun. fun, still, most a little fun. Under, still underqualified, most fun segment <laughs> of the show. We're going to do hot takes with Quinn Isaacson. First and yeah. foremost, as a Naperville, Illinois native, what's your stance on Chicago style pizza? And is it, is it, you have to be in the city type deal or is it everybody? No, uh, Chicago style pizza is so good, man. It's so good. Amen. Um, yeah. It's so good. You can get, you can find foods, like you can find pizza like it. Like, uh, like I'm right. Like I'm, I live, so I'm in Plainsville, but Naperville is just like the, like the nearest that we can find some of like some of the pizza joints and stuff like that. So like, but it's not, I'm like a 10 minutes away from Naperville. Um, but like it's it's close, I would say, like some of the out of these west suburbs to doing it, but like going to like Giordano's in the city or Maggiano's or anything like that, or or any, like you gotta go to one of those two places and you're you're gonna enjoy your night. We anytime we go to the city just to walk around or bulls games or anything like that, you've gotta go to one of those two places and get deep dish. And you have to. And I've got some East Coast guys that argue with me. I'm like, please stop it. Like, I don't, I don't want to hear it. Like this flop of the pizza. I don't know what you guys are doing. Like, it doesn't make sense. And we're here in Cali. Cali is not no pizza. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to, I'm going to give it up. No, we've had some arguments with these teammates. I'm like, guys, you, like you think this pizza is good. They're like, we should get Domino's. I'm like no offense to Domino's, but like, why are we going to choose Domino's? Like there's gotta be some sort of a home style place that makes some sort of night. It doesn't have to be deep dish. Like something where they're making their own dough. Like I know I'm come on. Um, my thing with Chicago style pizza, um, I'm from Michigan, but my dad's okay. from Long Island. So we're in New yeah. York at least once a, yeah, twice a New year. York pizza. So I've, I've got the New York pizza down. Detroit style pizza is a whole different game. I just yeah. don't think Chicago style pizza classifies as pizza. What it's would you classify it as? What would you classify it as? Like a casserole. No. You put the You're sauce on top. Oh, but it's it still matter. Matter. Awesome. Yeah, like all of the elements of the pizza are there. If I can't pick it up with my hands and eat it, if I can't pick it up with it's just dirty. I can't, yeah. 
Yeah, you just got to get under. I mean, it's the same thing. Like, if you're making a ham and cheese sandwich, if the cheese goes before the ham or the ham, like, does it change the sandwich? No. It's no. the same thing. <laughs> you're just eating. Like, I'm not going to lie, though. Like, I'm a guy that I, I've heard, like, a lot of Chicago style, like, green cow style, you should eat it normally. I like to cut in. I don't mind cutting into it. it it's a little bit unlike me, but I don't mind it. Sometimes if I'm wearing something, I don't want to get dirty. You got to cut into it, but it makes it well worth it. And speaking of Giordano's, by the way, a Giordano's opened up two minutes away from my house, and it has yeah. been the most fantastic thing that has ever happened to me. So, yeah, so good. I would like to clarify for the record, I don't hate Chicago-style pizza. <laughs> I just – I don't always think it's like, let's go get a slice. It's like, yeah, let's go sit yeah. down at a meal and I get agree. served a fork and knife yeah, meal. Yeah, I agree. I'll give you that. I've, I've been told this is a very Michigan thing, but I've learned it's, it's a very Midwest thing. Would you put ranch on your pizza, even if it was Chicago style? No. It, it's, if it was Chicago, I, I grew into liking ranch, but if it's Chicago style, I don't put ranch in my pizza. Like the pizza of Chicago style, you leave it as it is because that's, that's, I mean, you put some red pepper flakes on it, some Parmesan, you can, you can, you can yep. get after it on top, but like, I don't know if I'm, if we're trying to go somewhere fast and we get like pizza hut and they've got ranch, I'll dip my, I'll dip my pizza in there, but I'm not messing with the Chicago style. So the most I'm doing, like I said, is those red, pe- red pepper flakes and everything like that. So is it really pizza if you can't put some ranch on it? I think it is. I mean, you can do it. I'm just not, I'm not disrespecting my Chicago pizza. It's already so good. I it's don't not respect. Yes. Yeah. It's not respect. I'm leaving it. When, yeah. When we go to Neuer and stuff like that and they had, they started doing the make your own pizza. I was like every sauce or like topping, like of like the Parmesan and they have all this. I'm like, put it all on there. Like just that's, that's how, that's how we do it a little bit in Chicago is with everything. I like, put it on there. That's fine. So, so Andy and I are, are before the generation where they had make your own pizza at Neuer. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. So, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's big that. time. That's new. Well, once I went to the buffet, so when we, we like learned our team's big, a big Neuer team. So when Neuer going down, that's going to hit the team hard. They're going to, we're going to be devastated. It was, it was the Follett, the Follett buffet was top notch. And then that got shut down and then Neuer and I got shut down. So I'm like, we're just, we're just taking L's right now. But once Neuer went to buffet, they had sandwiches and then they started to do, it's like, I mean, it's just like a do it your own size pizza. And they've got all that. They had pepperoni and sausage and, and peppers, everything you could want on it. And then in the morning they had, uh, they can make your own breakfast sandwiches now. So you could go bagels and you could do like, you could, they, they like shape the eggs and you could put like a uh, sausage gravy on it. And then it goes through the toaster. So it's nice. That, that one though. Wow. That one though yes, was not really good. They, that one didn't really get too warm as it went through, but the pizza was, was pretty top notch. You got so screwed for, for those. <laughs> yeah. Neuer's gone now. So it yep. doesn't even matter. Yep. Yeah. For those of you who might not know, uh, at Ball State, Neuer is a dining hall. We're, we're talking yeah. about, yeah. Not anymore. Um, not not anymore. anymore. No, it's not. R.I.P. Um, I will say right. it probably beat the pizza at North. If North Dining's pizza was not good. No. Okay. Well, they've got a lot of other the, – the barbecue area is mm-hmm. pretty pretty legit. Yeah. So you got you to go down somewhere if you're, you're a dining hall. I think pizza. Even though they have, they have uh, calzones, which aren't too bad. But I go for the barbecue. Okay. So who after you're out of you're out of it now? So who will win the 2023 NCAA men's volleyball championship? Give me your give me your take. Well, here's the crazy thing is that if you go look at that final four, if you go if you go look at the final four right now, you've got Hawaii who graduates no one. Like Hawaii is the same team with experience. You go look at Long Beach. Long Beach was looking pretty dang good until Alex Nikolov, who was the player of the year who I thought just beat Caleb Jenis out. 
he just decided to go play pro. Now I have two of his teammates in our gym, right? Two of his teammates. And I'm talking to him like, Oh, like I, I think I asked him first week. I'm like, is Nikolov going to stay all four years? He's like, yeah, he wants to get an education. His brother's coming in in three years. Like, like they already got his brother signed, I think. And I'm like, okay, he decides he's going to go play at one of the, t- he's making a lot, a lot of money in Italy right now. He decided to go sign. So he's going to Italy. So now they're going to take a little bit of a dip. And then UCLA, who is the other team, is the I don't think they graduate anyone either. So UCLA and Hawaii are the same. Penn State, who my we share rooms. So my roommate, he's not here. He's outside right now. He's a Penn State guy. They were pretty legit. Um, so it's going to be a tough – it's going to be a tough battle, and then it's going to come down to my boy Caleb and, and some of the other pieces can put together another season. Um, oh, man. It's hard not to say Hawaii with them bringing everyone back. But – Final answer, I'm going the Cardinals return, and I think they're going to take care of it and win it all. I think this is the year. <laughs> I think I think Dona needed one year of of just to, uh, just you know get us there just so we can taste it, and then I think next year they win it all. And I think a close second is going to be Hawaii. Yeah, this, that's, this, that's, that's yeah, this season Donum was going easy on them, right? Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. so. I think I think now you'll see it. You'll see the same team, just another level. I think they'll take care of it. But if I had to choose a second team, I'd probably say it's Hawaii. So not necessarily sport entertainment, but why have we not seen a volleyball movie? That's a good question. There's a lot. Of, I, I'm not, I don't watch anime, but a lot of my roommates do what I'm starting to learn. I think it's a little more common with volleyball players, but there's a lot of, vol- or there's a good amount of volleyball through anime. And I think that I've never seen it, but I heard it's pretty good, but I don't know. I think, uh, especially you won't see any men's volleyball movies, but there's they've done a couple documentaries. Top Gun. I think it re- Top Gun. Gun. Come on, what yeah, are we talking I about? Top I guess, Gun. Yeah, I guess. We Everybody forgot Top Gun. I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess you're right with that. But I, <laughs> there you go. You know, a story based around it. I don't know. They, I mean, most of those movies stick to the main three of baseball, basketball, football. You see occasional hockey, but. I'm not, you know, I'm, my movies are Ball State Sports League. Those movies are good for me. I think those, those do enough for me. They're the best in the biz. So those are, those are, those are my own volleyball movies. I like those. <laughs> I will right. say. Ooh. Oh, damn, continue. I was just going to say Sports Link hasn't gotten to podcasting yet. So Andy and I have that covered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. And then final question for the whole thing here. Okay. Best Ball State University player to travel with. That's a good question. Uh, I'll tell you who my roommates were in the first place. Cause we, I stuck my roommates. I only had three roommates over my whole time. Like they, they kept me pretty much with the same group. So when I was first, like my freshman, I traveled on every, I got the chance to travel on every trip. I was with Matt Shevs for my first three years. So Shevs was kind of, he was kind of our, it's funny. He was kind of like our scoring guy. And then when he left, Caleb was my roommate the next two years. So you see how that works out. So I doubled my double scoring guys, but, um let's think good roommates so i'm kind of going off of what people have told me because there's nothing wrong with those guys caleb slept a lot but i lived with caleb out like in a hot like this last year at ball state i lived with caleb so i got to live with him and travel with him so that was you know pretty fun but um i would have to go with from what i've heard i heard that Colin, who I room with all five years. So I have some experience with Colin of being like I, my freshman roommate and I've lived with him the last four years. I'd probably go Colin Anslaka, who was our libero. I've heard 
he usually I'm the guy that like takes care like this last year with USA like they put me with the guys that like need to get woken up or they won't make it to like breakfast so I'm the one that sets the alarm the one that like taps on the show like hey we're leaving in five minutes like that's what I do and the one that's like hey let's go like never no one ever really gets me going because I'm trying to be on time <clears throat> and I what I've heard and what I obviously with Dean Collin my first my first year and riding with him I guess the last four years is he's always up on time he'll make sure that you're up like you can kind of almost sit back a little bit um, I would probably say Colin, David Flores, who's, who's one of my really close friends. He's the other setter. I heard he's, he's fun. Cause he loves playing like card games. He's always got cards on him. So like you can play card games with him and he'll be up on time. But I think my final answer would be Colin on Slacko. I'll say the roommate not to be with, and I'll just, just say, it cause I can, and he's one of my good friends. So I'm going to say it. You don't want to be with Brandon Shepard. All right. Brandon Shepard is not the guy you want to be with. And I hope he's listening right now. Cause Brandon doesn't wake up on time. And when you do now, he's like, I lived with him this year too. I live with Brandon this year too. And Brandon did a great job at home of me. Like I never really had to wake him up. I just had to open his door and be like, Hey, we're going. But at trips, all I heard was that he just would always sleep through breakfast and he never would get up. So we would just get in, go to breakfast. Without. <laughs> that would be my answer. It'd be Colin. If I didn't Brandon, even though I love Brandon to death, I heard he just, you couldn't wake him up. So it was like, all right, Brandon, I'm not gonna, I'm not waking you up here. All righty. Well, you can you can tag Brandon and Colin and the rest <laughs> of the men's volleyball team in this. We'd love to get their opinion on the pod. And any of them yeah. who want to come on the pod, they can yeah. totally they we would we will happily have them on. Um, thank you so much, Quinn, for joining us. Yeah. You're an, you're an amazing guy. We love talking to you. Um, we yeah. cannot wait to see where your career goes next. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Appreciate, appreciate it, man. It. Yeah. Thank you. All right. We'll see you. All right. See you. And that about does it for our interview with Quinn Isaacson. Uh, lovely guy. Always love talking to him. He's just one of the one of the better athletes you'll ever meet in your life. Um, I think that does it for the summer for us, Andy. Maybe I do maybe believe not. so. We'll see. And if we you get. stayed throughout, if you stayed throughout the whole podcast and you have not looked at our socials at all, I don't know. We have a bunch of different. We don't have brand similarity between all of our socials, so I can't just say one. We probably need to do that low-key but whatever anyway um if you saw it all the guy that we just talked to last week uh drew plitt just signed with the Bengals. so we're on our our way up yes so nfl player we got it in the docket now we just got a professional volleyball player so i think we're 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 moving and grooving thanks to daniel i told my friend that that since drew plitt signed we had a professional football player on our on our podcast and she said and I quote, he was pre-professional at the time, but he is still professional now. So we're going to take it. I, yeah, I'm going to, you know what? He is a professional football player. I'm sorry. Yes, he is. So I, 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 I count it. Okay. Deal with it. <laughs> All right. Unless we get any other special guests, I don't know if we have anything else left for the summer. I'm pretty sure we don't. Andy and I are both on campus in about two weeks. So you are going to start hearing from us in the studio back in the back in the unified media lab in Muncie it's going to be very fun I cannot wait we are starting season two of the underqualified knuckleheads podcast and it's gonna be awesome are we are we 100 are we gonna call it season two or is I think that we're, we're gonna, doing? I think we're like once the school year starts we'll call it season two right are we going by semester or just by just by well, school we, year here well, hmm. I mean we'll talk about that we'll, we'll talk we'll find out Season season question. Tune in next time to figure out what yeah. season of the Underqualified Knuckleheads podcast. We'll we get it hammered on. out. Yeah. Awesome. We will see you next time. See you next week. See you next week. Oh yeah. Hold see, on. see you next week. Well, see you next next, <laughs> next month. <laughs>
be next week or a month, whatever. 